0: Go with me again over to uh, Psalm 15. and when it comes to the, the teaching, the principles of increase, this is a great one to have uh, marked in your Bible, and I'm going to just, uh, oh, I guess we can start around uh, verse 8 or so, Psalm 115, when you found it, say, I am there. On down to verse nine, O house of Israel, what does it say? Trust. Trust, trust in who? The Lord. Okay, so the house of Israel should be trusted in whom? The Lord. In the Lord. O house of Israel, trust in the Lord, for He is their help and shield. He is the one that helps them, and He's the one that shields them, protects them. He goes on to say, O house of Aaron. Trust in the Lord. So then this household of Israel is a family in the priesthood. They should also trust in the Lord. That means to put your full weight upon as someone who is reliable. Come on, shout it out. He's reliable. I can count on him. When everything else fails, God does not. O house of Aaron, trust in the Lord. He is their help and shield. So, look at the pattern here. Those that trust in Him have a help and have a shield. Those that depend upon Him, rely upon Him. You who fear Him. So, now we're getting down to where we qualify. You who fear Him, trust in the Lord. You know, the Scripture says that you and I are to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. Not fright of God, not being scared of God. Certainly, if He wanted to display Himself that way and freak us all out, how do you know He could pretty much handle that? But that's not what this is about. This is about reverencing, respecting, loving, honoring God enough to actually do what He says. So, it's not just the natural line of Israel or the priesthood line of Aaron, but it's those who fear the Lord, who trust in the Lord. He is their shield. He is their help. The Lord remembers us and will bless us. Say, He remembers me. But no, He just doesn't remember you. He remembers to what? What? to bless you, to empower you to succeed, to prosper, to excel, to increase, all these areas. And we're really focusing on these sessions in the area of supernatural increase. But if He remembers you, He's going to bless you. Now, it's possible for you to go through a time in your life, and a season as a Christian, where you feel like nobody remembers you, not even the Lord. But I want to remind you that His Word is true. I want to remind you His Word is true. And He doesn't forget you. Scripture is very plain about His relationship and his, his faculties do not diminish. I mean, I know He's been on the throne a long time. Yes. But He's not going through some spiritual dementia on your account. He remembers you and He blesses you. The Lord remembers us and will bless us. How many of you can raise your hand and say, I'm part of us tonight? Faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the Word of God. And the Word says He remembers you and the Word says He blesses you. And that's where your faith has to be. He will bless the house of Israel. That's great. He'll bless the house of Aaron. How I many you think that's great? And he certainly has blessed the house of Israel, and he has blessed, blessed the house of Aaron. What's happening in Israel is nothing short of miraculous, but it doesn't stop there who all those who like precious faith, like Father Abraham, believed in the coming seed. And for you and for me, we're on the other side of the birth of Christ, we're on the other side of the crucifixion and resurrection of Christ and ascension of Christ. We know who that Messiah is. All of you who believe you're engrafted into this amazing faith family, you don't have two systems of salvation, listen to me carefully, there weren't two ways to get saved in the Old Testament. You either got saved by faith or you weren't saved at all. Thank you for your enthusiasm over this revelation. It's just that we have great revelation now on what it means to actually be saved, to experience the new birth, and who we're having actual faith and confidence in. That's the Lord. So he'll bless those who fear the Lord, small and great alike. So whether you're, you know, infamous or famous or somewhere in between, he has a mind to bless you and increase you. Watch this, may the Lord make you increase. I mean, there's some Christians that need to be made to increase. Can I have a better amen than that? You know, it's like, well, he didn't care about that. Well, he does care about that stuff, and if he didn't care about it, it wouldn't be in the Word. Can I have an amen tonight? Remember that your redemption is spiritual, it is physical, and it is financial or material. Say it with me, spiritual, physical, and material. It affects you spiritually. You are now united with God, and He is going to be your God, and you're going to be His child forever and ever and ever. You now have a God-given righteousness. It's a gift. But you also have God working in your physical body to sustain you now, and then to raise your body, raise you up to life again one day. And then the third area is in the area of material or financial. All three of these are bought and paid for with the blood of Jesus. Raise your hand if you believe He shed His blood. Raise up high if you believe he shed his blood. Well, if he shed his blood, then these three are available to every person in this room that believes on him. <laughs> you shouldn't settle for anything less than the apex of what he has spiritually and also apex physically and also apex in terms of material needs or situations in the financial realm. May the Lord make you increase both you and what? Your children. Your children. You know, they often will say about a certain generation in our country, well, this is going to be the the first generation that doesn't do as well as their parents. Well, that's an aberration from Scripture. That may not be the way it is for people in terms of the natural world or the nation as itself. But in in terms of a household of faith, your kids should do better, and they should do better, and their kids should do better, be more blessed, more victorious, and on down the line until... He comes. And you should hold out your faith until you see these things manifesting in your life. May the Lord make you increase, both you and your children. May you be blessed by the Lord, the Maker of Heaven and Earth. If He can make Heaven and Earth, can He not make you increase? Come on, Selah on that tonight. If He can make the Heavens and the Earth, can He not make you increase? Which one's more difficult? to speak the world into existence or make you increase. I think this scripture is there because it points out the, the absolute amazing magnitude of the force and power and ability of your God. Some of y'all walk around like, well, this is too big for God to handle. No, it's not about how big it is in God handling. It's about do we believe God can handle that thing? Will we believe that he'll actually do what his word says? So, if he can make the earth and speak the world into existence, if he can raise the dead, if he can part the Red Sea, if he cause Mary to be born of a virgin, he can get you out of your mess spiritually, physically, or financially. But we have to hear, and we have to hear. And we have to hear, and we have to hear until faith rises up out of our heart and flies out of our mouth with what we call the force of faith or the spirit of faith. And that's when your word, you know, the word of God is going to work for you. You're excited about it. How I mean, you know sometimes we're excited about the word of God and sometimes you're like, eh? But not the Wednesday night crowd. The Wednesday night crowd doesn't have an eh in them. I love what Brother Hagin used to say. He said, you know, it's the word that you're excited about that works for you. You should be excited about increase. Amen. I'm so excited. And I just can't hide it, hallelujah. The word you're excited about is what actually is working for. Why would you be excited about this? You know, I'm aware of a, a seed that joy has sown and uh, something the Lord put on their heart. And uh, every time she tells me about this seed, her eyes just light up. And a smile gets on her face. She's almost giddy. I just have to practice send her back to her office until she settles down. But every time she'll say something about it, it's like, and what is that doing in terms of the faith of God? Say this with me, the seed I sow that I'm excited about is the seed that's working for me. When you're sorrowful over a seed, it's not going to work for you. Yeah. So all those gloomy tithers might as well just keep their money in the bank. It ain't working for you. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you today? You, you have a faith in something that God's doing this, that God is coming through. There's going to be excitement, expectation in your heart. That's how faith people operate. They're always looking for the next manifestation, not the next shoe drop. Some of you are so jaded by 2020 you're just waiting for something else horrible to happen. Well, I mentioned to you a few months ago, but according to, you know, uh, uh, several things that have happened in the spirit realm in terms of dreams and visions and, and prophecies that right now we were supposed to have Russian and Chinese soldiers on our streets by now. Well, I'm not looking for that. Are you looking for that? Can I tell you something about dreams and visions and prophecies? If you have a dream that a tornado hit your house and destroyed your entire life, that's not for you to say, oh, dear Jesus, have mercy on me. That's for you to fight against that thing. Some people misinterpret dreams and visions. Then what we're supposed to do is get a hold of God and say, that's not happening in my town. Come on, say, not happening in my town, not happening in my nation. And if they do come over here from overseas, we're going to convert them. (laughs) But that's not what this is designed to do. It's designed to get you into into fear and uncertainty and confusion. But look, it's the word you're excited about that's working for you. Say that with me. It's the the word I'm excited about that's working for me. And I want you to get excited about Increase. You know, years ago I started doing this, and at first I thought, well, you know, I want to make sure it's not my flesh. But I noticed a pattern in my assignment in my call as a pastor. You know, pastors are called to lead, to guide, to tend, but primarily they're called to feed you and feed you spiritually, feed you the Word. There are lots of things that we have to do, and we have our hands and all kinds of things, and we have all kinds of hats, but nothing is more important for you than having the Word strike your heart with the reality of God's redemption that you seize on that thing and it transforms your life and your thinking. But I've noticed the pattern through the years whenever the enemy was trying to do something the Lord would motivate me to just stand right up with the Word of God and shoot right back at him. And as horrible as this year has been the last thing in the natural we would think about doing is increasing. But God doesn't take his assignments from the devil. He doesn't take them from the world. So right in the midst of this situation where there shouldn't be lots of talk, I mean, you know, just a couple of months ago, people were fighting over things of toilet paper. Does that sound like increase to you? Come on, say it with me. My God, my God shall, supply shall supply all my TP all my according tp. to his riches to in glory tp. in Christ Jesus. I mean, all the things people have gotten into fear about. We're going to look back on this and we're all going to learn a lot of things. And a lot of us are going to realize that there's just a lot of fear activated in people's lives. Why? You unplug from faith, you're going to plug into fear. Unplug from fear, you're going to unplug and plug back into to the faith of God. So you want to stay excited about the Word of God. And so this is another classic situation where, in the natural, everybody say, in the natural. You say, is the year of triumph another example of that? It's a perfect example of this. While the world is crying despair, gloom, doom, and despair and agony on me, when the world is crying out with he-haw theology, here we are, 42 messages on triumph. Why would He do that? We still had to deal with some things, Pastor. We still went through some things. Could you imagine how lousy you would be without those messages? How defeated you would be without the Word coming in, reminding you that He always, say it with me, always... Always leads us in triumph in Christ Jesus. And he's going to lead you in the end of the year in triumph. And you're going to go on into 2021. And everybody's going to be partying hearty. that not amen. Praising God and thanking God it's over. Well, Christians think in a way that transcends dates and times and seasons. You see what I'm saying to you? What the calendar says in a few months doesn't matter. The important thing is what the enemy is saying is, you know what? You Christians think you got it all together. You think you believe God, you think God is for you. And he's been pushing and he's been manipulating, trying to defeat people, get them out of the house of God, get them out of church, destroy them financially, destroy their businesses, try to shut churches down outright. You know, for example, in California, but you know what God is saying? He's telling you this is the year of triumph and you're not going to go back, you're going to increase in all of your redemptive areas in Jesus' name. Right. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? You're getting closer to God towards the end of this year. You're getting stronger physically in Jesus' name. You're having more healings than you've ever had in your entire life. And not only that, but you're going to have healings through you in Jesus' name. And when it comes to material substance and necessities and issues that that you're believing God for, you're going to see increase in the material realm as well. Because your God is not subject to a date on the calendar. His promises came long before 2020, and His word will exist long after 2020 is gone. He's the same. I said he's the same. He's the same as Isaac when he sowed in a famine and reaped a hundredfold. He's the same as when Joseph was put in the Potiphar's house and everything he touched God blessed. He blessed him in the prison and he eventually raised him up. You understand, just because you're in a season doesn't mean the word doesn't work. It works in any season. Amen. Say it with me Spiritually physically, physically. Materially. materially it's a great year to increase amen. why because nobody could take praise and honor and glory for it right. nobody can take the credit for what God's doing amen where he takes you spiritually throughout you know this year throughout the end of this year where he takes you physically where he takes you materially only God could get the credit and the and the glory and the praise for it Amen? So just go ahead and start doing it in Jesus' name. Just get ahead of the thing. And just start praising him for increase in every area of your life. Come on, shout out. Say, I thank God, I thank God for, increase, God for increase, increase in every, in every, 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 every single, area single area of my life of in Jesus' name. Jesus. The, devil harm, the devil meant this for my harm. But God is turning it around, around for my good. Most powerful series I ever heard Gloria teach on is a simple message called God can turn it around, no matter how bad it is. How many believe that God can turn it around? How many believe God will turn it around? How many believe God is turning it around? That simple stair step tells you how close to operating in faith you actually are. God can turn it around, is a biblical truth. God will turn it around. Is a biblical truth that reveals his covenant heart and will for you and me. But when I declare God is turning this around, I have faith that he's moving right now. Amen. Whatever area it is, whatever situation you're dealing with, because that's who he is. Hallelujah. Scripture tells us in Genesis 1:28 that from the very beginning the first words that man ever heard were words of the blessing, words of empowerment. And with that, God gave four gifts. He gave his life. He gave, of course, seed. He gave dominion. Are you here today? He gave them breath, literally, the, the suke he gave them the life of God. But one of the most important things, of course, he told them is you are to, you are to increase and subdue the earth and rule over it. God, from the very beginning of the human existence, was increase minded. That's why things like war, things like abortion, anything that would try to limit the expansion of God's population, you know, is, is not of him. I don't have to get political, but I can just tell you, in Genesis 1.28, it's the greatest and most powerful verse you'll ever see for anti-abortion. Are you here today? He's for increase in your life and increase in my life. Now go to 3 John. When you're third John, say I'm there. Yeah. A little book, but how you know, filled with power. Third John, verse two. Dear friend, I pray that you may. Enjoy good health, this is the NIV, and that all may go well with you, even as what? Your soul soul is what? Getting Getting along well. Now the translation, beloved I pray, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and what? Be in good health, even as what? Even as your soul prospers. So it going well with me in the earth. And things going well for me in the earth are directly tied to the condition of my soul. Now i write this down because I want you to be clear because the prosperous soul is the foundation for supernatural increase. No matter what happens in in this life, you know if your if your soul is not tended to well, you're not going to experience the redemptive increase that he would have for you. Redemption is a, is amazing. It's powerful. It's loaded with revelation, and it is of course secured for you and me through the blood of Jesus. But the expectation is that there's going to be a prosperity of soul, that it is going to be the foundation for the increase in every area of your life. So, when you look at the word prosper, it means for things to go well with you. It speaks of success. It it speaks of, you know, accomplishing the goal, the objective. It speaks of advancing, you know, when, when God is going to prosper. Joshua, it wasn't just Joshua, I'm going to put some money in your hand. Joshua, you're going to go out there and every foot... Wherever place you step and where your foot goes, what did God say to him? He would give him that territory. Does that sound like increase to you? Yes, Yes. and to this day Israel has still not increased to its original promise dimensions in terms of land. How many believe it will? Yes. Yes, it will because it's a standing promise of God. Well, you can see he's increase minded. But you and I have to understand that if we don't have a prosperous soul, then we don't have the foundation for supernatural increase. Now, we can, you know, we can get upset, we can cry, we can throw a fit, you know, we can complain, bellyache, we can say, well, this stuff doesn't work for me. We're missing the point. Until you get the foundation, you're never going to be able to build the house of increase in your life. You first must build the foundation of a prosperous soul. Now, write this down. Number one, it means that you're right with God. I could preach this to the cows come home, but you know what? Until you get right with God, you're not going to be able to enjoy the multidimensional increase that God has. Now, don't get me wrong. You can take somebody, a total heathen tonight in Hollywood or New York City, doesn't walk with God, doesn't love God, and they can appear to increase in a material realm, not through God's blessing, but if you know how to play the game, if you know how to work the system, you can increase in certain ways. But you can't have total life increase without doing it God's way. That's not- yeah. There was a grandson of, of Getty that uh, used to live out on the same lake where my parents lived before they relocated to, to Phoenix. And then, of course, they now have relocated here. And uh, he used to say, "This billionaire upon billionaire grandfather, you know, he used to, he used to hear him say this, that he would trade all the wealth and all the power and all the influence if he somehow could have kept his family together. Do you see this? That's not biblical increase. So you don't have to have a prosperous soul to tap into certain areas of increase. You can certainly, you can be a criminal for that matter. I mean, you you can be Hunter Biden for that matter and do whatever you want to do. It, it's not disputed. It's fact. It's the way it is. Parlayed influence to get millions of dollars from foreign nations while his father and others were in seats of power and influence to back him up on this. Now, the reality is you can do that. And how me you understand? If Biden becomes your president, if that's the way it works, you're called to pray for him. And trust me, he's going to need it. They can't even put a sentence together. You need to pray for that man. This may have been the most clear example of elder abuse in the history of our country. And I make no joke about that. But if he becomes and actually is sworn in, then you understand your duty is to do what? Is to pray for him. But when you look at that family, not unlike the Kennedy clan, you don't see prosperity of soul. Do you? And nobody is perfect. Don't get me wrong here. But I'm just simply saying that you can succeed in certain areas. But I could tell you, a lot of people look at that and say, "Well, I'll, I'd rather have this than that." The good news is, is you don't have to be like Gideon said. Well, I'd trade it all for my have my family intact. You can have your family intact and increase materially if you do it God's way. Are you here today? If you'll first start with the foundation of supernatural. You know, increase, which is soul, amen, prosperity. Look at somebody say, the prosperous, soul. the prosperous soul. You go to church for the next 30 years, Jesus tarries, depending on how long you're on this earth, and you will never hear a teaching that will have more to do with your personal victory than what you're hearing right now. Your soul, your prosperity soul, is the key to every victory in your life. It is the key to you succeeding in becoming what God wants you to become, doing what you're supposed to do and increasing in every single area. But it starts with you getting right with God. How many glad you're right with God? You know, you know, seasons that come in our country, elections, no matter how they pan out, they're basically minor compared to what you have been given in Jesus. You're actually a citizen of heaven. You're here to get other people to go with you. Yeah, that in essence is the exact life of the believer. You get right with God and then load up a wagon too. So they come as well, you know. So these things can't move us, they can't phase us. Say it with me, none of these things. Move me. None of them. Phase me. We should be of a different mind. But it all starts with getting right with Him, repenting of our sin, asking Him to be the Lord of our life, believing in a heart God raised Him from the dead, saying with a mouth, Jesus is Lord, a confession (laughs) is made into salvation, and then living for Him every day of the rest of our lives, letting Him be Lord. That's what it means to be right with God. To tap into supernatural increase, we have to have a prosperous soul, and a prosperous soul is first and foremost. Right with God. Now you should be happy or not because based on that parameter you qualify. Everybody say, yeah, I qualify. Praise I the Lord. Qualify. But it doesn't stop there. The prosperous soul is also someone who's having their mind renewed. Renewed to what? The Bible tells us that the enemy would squeeze you into the world's mold. The Bible says that don't be conformed to what? This world would be transformed by what? the renewing of your mind. And how do you know that takes time? But it also takes oversight. If your mind begins to wander into things that are unbiblical, or you begin to back up from things you've learned, you've got to, you know, put your mind back on the right track again. If you're going to increase in every area of life, you can't be going around thinking unbiblical thoughts. It's not going to happen. You're going to have to, you know, reset that mind. And don't do it every couple of months when you get excited about the Word or maybe God has really done something neat or you felt a goosebump, and now you're going to read the Word this month. No, you need to be resetting that mind every single day. I'm telling you what, that mind will fly out of control on you. You don't even know what happened to you. Stay in the Word of God so your mind is renewed. It also refers to emotions that are fulfilling their God-given place in your life. And the God-given place of emotion is not to run your life. Say it with me, I feel, I experience life with my emotions. My emotions do not run my life. So what you're saying to me is somebody is histrionic, it's going to be hard for them to increase in God. That's exactly what I'm saying. When you make your decisions and your reactions based on what you feel moment by moment, There is no way for you to keep yielding to Lord emotion and stay faithful and true to the Lord Jesus at the same time. You can't do it. Now you may have heard something during the election cycle that made you mad or made you upset. Now you can do one of two things: experience it and then move on. If somebody treated you, you know, you know, the wrong way, betrayed you. Raise your hand if you've ever been betrayed by somebody, hurt by somebody. Oh, look at the hands. And look at you, you're still breathing. You know, worse for the wear, but you know, over over time, many of those can begin to affect you. Yeah. Many wounds, many stabbings. And if you're not diligent to say, you know what, I don't care what's happened to me, I'm choosing not to let my emotions run me in that moment. Can you see how increasing supernaturally also has the element of diligence in your life? Amen. Be angry, the Scripture says, and what? Sin not. And take their head off. Be angry and? Cuss them out. No, be angry and what? Sin not. And the only way to do that is to quickly experience that and then say to yourself, based on the Word of God, I release, I forgive, I let them go, it's not coming into my heart, it's not going to be the basis of my decisions. And listen to me carefully, not just the basis of what you decide, but the basis of what you say. We need to learn how to shut up quicker. I said we need to learn how to shut up quicker. Emotion says act, but how do you understand that you and I do more talking in anger than even acting in anger? Why? The anger, you were here Sunday morning when Rod and you taught, the anger of man does not produce the righteous life that God desires you cannot be controlled by your emotions and live the prosperous life you you don't have a prosperous soul which is your soul is my mind say my mind my will and my emotions and every time somebody looks at you the wrong way or says something ugly to you or about you you know you're flying off the handle you know and here you go your emotions are running your life. And you say, well, that's, just, that's what it is to be a human being. You know, we're just human. Let me tell you something. God's standard for you is far beyond just breathing and existing on this planet. You have supernatural powers available to you. To be able to feel something very deeply and then back up, look at this thing through the scriptures and say, you know what? The devil's trying to get a hold of my heart, try to get me offended, try to get me upset, try to get me angry. What I'm going to do is I'm going to back up and then apply the Word of God to this situation and I release them in Jesus' name. And you say, well, that's just a lot of work. I just, can I just get mad? Can I just throw things? I, Forget about all this, you know, pro- you know can I just like put prosperous, you know, prosperity of soul on a shelf, you know, for a day or two? You know, you never know what's going to happen when you do that. You may not, you may just not make it back to soul prosperity when you take a vacation and choose to live by the unrenewed mind or the unrestrained emotions. There's emotional intelligence. And all that is is you being aware and understanding of your own emotions and also being aware and understanding of the emotions of others, not to manipulate them, but to understand them and get along with them. And also, you know, be a person that's actually moving, whether it's a family or an organization or a workplace, forward with that level of intelligence. And it's very important that people do that. And I find out that the basis of real natural maturity is... To what degree that they are walking in emotional intelligence? But let me explain this to you. The standard for you as a child of God is beyond just understanding emotional intelligence. You should go way beyond that, with the ability to feel things deeply and yet not act on your feeling unless God told you to do something. Amen. In other words, how you know there's natural intelligence? There's emotional intelligence, there's spiritual intelligence. And you and I should be walking in a manner that's way beyond just, yeah, I understand they're upset with me and they've got this problem going on, this situation going on, and, you know, I'll just kind of be nice to them or, or stay out of their way. How I mean, you know some folks just uh, stay out of people's way? Well, that's neither emotional intelligence nor spiritual wisdom. You're just delaying the, you know, inevitable Amen? You can avoid the Tasmanian devil for a while. Amen? The third area of the soul is what we call, of course, the will. Now here's where it gets real simple for us to understand. If you're rebelling from God right now in His will, He's telling you to do something, you won't do it. Telling you to stop something, you won't stop it. Telling you to to get involved with something and you won't do it. you got all the excuses in the world you're not doing what His will dictates, then your soul is not prosperous and it's not possible for you to supernaturally increase. And how do you know sometimes there are things that we're real, just kind of blatant about in our disobedience and sometimes how do you know the Holy Ghost has to remind you? How do you know, you're okay if He just reminds you of something that's out of order in your life? Yeah. Say, search me, O oh God. I mean, you know He <laughs> will search you if you ask Him to. Yeah. People used to ask me, well, What's one of the most outstanding things that will happen to you when you receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in other tongues and the spiritual gifts begin to open up in your life? And I'll say, well, you know, uh, you're going to develop a real passion and hunger for the Word of God. It's just you're going to have an insatiable hunger for the Word when this happens in your life. And i say, well, you're also going to have a greater level of discernment. You're going to be able to sense things spiritually at a heightened awareness. And not discerning of spirits per se, that's part of it, but general discernment between good and evil. You're going to see things, you're going to perceive things. And they usually get real excited about that. And then I tell them, you're going to have a heightened sense of conviction. I lose half the crowd usually with that one. In other words, the more Holy Ghost you let in, the pickier it seems he is that other people get away with stuff that you don't. And if you point to somebody else and use them as an example, that's a mistake. Because the Holy Ghost is not there for you to push him off on somebody else. It's for you to let him talk to you and deal with you. And I promise you this, if he's trying to sever things from your life, he's not trying to decrease you, he's trying to increase you. He's not trying to harm you. He doesn't ever do harm to you. But I tell you this, that the more... You fly into the things of God, the new birth, and the, the baptism in the Holy Spirit, and more of God, and hunger for more of God, His fire and His glory. The more you, you flow in these things, the more heightened awareness you're going to have of things that are not quite right in your life. Not to come under condemnation about, but to judge those things and deal with those. Why? Because if they're inconsistent or contradictory to the will of God, it's holding you back. That's not a prosperous soul. So confess this with me, having a prosperous soul is being right with God, having a renewed mind, having emotions, where I feel life, experience life, but I don't run my life. Say it with me, the prosperous life is having a yielded will to God in every area of life. That's what we call the foundation. We shared Isaiah 55 with you. The Bible tells us that our thoughts are not what? His thoughts, his ways are what? Higher, Higher than ours. And that's what this speaks of. The ways of God that produce increase are just different. You know, it doesn't mean we can't attain to them. It's said well, our thinking is going to contradict his Better put, his thinking contradicts ours, and we should yield to it. That's where it's important to have your soul prosperous because when it is, and you find out that his thinking is different, you don't fight with him about it. You don't pull out your denominational handbook. You just simply say, You have said this in your word, you've spoken to this, to be in my heart about this. Now I'm going to just cause myself to conform to what you have said. Yield to your will. Scripture is very plain about this. Matthew six thirty-three. Y'all know it from heart. What's it say? Seek ye, Seek ye what? God. First, the kingdom of God, uh, His ways of being and doing right. Seek ye first His kingdom and and what His righteousness, and then all these what? All these things will be added unto you as well. You know what Jesus was talking about in Matthew six? He was talking about material redemption. Let me say it again. He was specifically talking about material increase, material redemption. And he said, if you'll seek God, His ways of doing and being right, and you'll seek His righteousness first, then guess what will happen? Get the soul prosperous, and then you're going to have, you're going to experience the benefits of material redemption or increase in this particular area. Amen. Go to Psalm 145. My favorite scenes in the Indiana Jones original trilogy is he's trying to find his father. Of course, Sean Connery just recently passed away. Real classic actor. Excuse me, Sir Sean Connery. Yes. <laughs> and they're on the boat over, I guess, and uh, they're in Italy. And uh, They're about to you know, have a propeller hit them in the back, and the guy that's charged to protect you know, uh, the Holy Grail, they believe it was the Cup of Christ. Uh, he's got him pinned down. He's about to be chopped up with Indiana Jones on the back of this boat. And he says, you know, he tells me, he says, my soul's prepared. How is your soul? That's the question. Turn to somebody and say, my soul's prepared. How is your soul? That's the question. And if your soul is prospering, you've got the foundation for supernatural increase. Now, I've always loved uh, Psalm 145. I want to read this to you. Um, think of verse 8. The Lord is gracious and compassionate. Say that with be gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, rich in love. Now, what does that mean? He's gracious. It means he's disposed to show you favor. How uh, I many you know some people when they get up in the morning on the wrong side of the bed, they're predisposed to all kinds of things. They're short, they're angry, they're, they're ill-tempered, but your God is always predisposed to show you favor. That's His heart. And He's compassionate, which means eager yearning to do you good. Have you ever thought about that? God just can't wait to do something good in your life. Amen. Say so He has eager yearning. To do me good. The promises are here. The Bible is very plain about his heart. He's slow to anger and rich in love. In verse 9, the Lord is good to what? All. all. How many would say that you're included in that word all? Yeah. People that don't even serve him. Is he good? Yeah. Yes. They breathe this air. They live in a country like ours. They don't even recognize him. They don't identify with him. They somehow pretend he's not relevant. But guess what? God's still what? Good. Now there comes a time when that goodness is also matched with justice and accountability. Um, That's what it means to be in the church age. Do you know that God is a God of grace? Yes. But do you know that his grace has a expiration date? That doesn't change his nature, it changes that dispensation. There's going to be a day where time's up, that's true. and you know what? If you haven't gathered anything about 2020, uh, I think the you know when you're driving down the highway and, and every light on your dashboard's going off, that's where we are. Now we can look at this thing and just you know look at it naturally or circumstantially or just. In a, in a humanistic way, or we can say, you know what, the lights are going off. Are we paying attention? Are we where we need to be? Are we doing what we're supposed to do? Are we part of that end time harvest and solution that God has? Because I tell you, there's going to be there's going to be a day when uh, that trumpet's going to sound, yeah. and the dead in Christ gonna are going to rise first as surely as He came the first time, He is coming for His people. And then those that remain that are still walking on this planet are going to be caught up together with them. When He returns to do battle on the Mount of Olives against those that have arrayed themselves against His people Israel, when He returns, guess who returns with Him. You do. Let me give you a tip. On the day he comes and puts his foot on the Mount of Olives and it splits, on the day he comes back with his holy ones, you want to be with him, not part of the army gathered against his people. You want to be on that side of it. You want to be with Him. Well, these things are are, are just prophetically, things are just moving at a pace that I've never seen as a Christian. Maybe you would say there's a different time. You were born again before me, but I've never seen anything like this. I mean, we're moving right forward into this thing like I've never seen before. And there's going to come a day where on this earth, after We leave, and after that battle, there will still be people getting saved the same way. But how many understand, for example, during the Great Tribulation, it's going to be a lot harder than for those that have gone on out of here. We can't say definitively that they would be martyred for the cause, but how many know a lot of them will be? The the nature of things is going to change. The door of salvation, just like the door on Noah's Ark, is not always going to be open. This God that is predisposed to show you favor that is gracious and good to all, you have to understand on the back end of this thing comes some accountability. I tell you what, it's a, it's a great day that we live in. it's a crazy day, but it's a great, day, a great time to be saved and born again, right with God. Good to have an amen. to have a soul that is right with God. And what we want to do is make sure we take as many with us. But as grace as He is, as grace filled as He is, He's still a God of grace. But there's a shelf life on this. You and I will live in that grace for eternity. Those that reject him will what? Will miss out on that graciousness. Every good thing that God has for you requires that you are in him. Amen. Praise God. Go with me over to to Micah and we'll kind of park the bus here for the night. This is not really uh, part of what I want to tell you, but I just felt impressed just to read this scripture to you as well. In Micah 7, verse 8, Do not gloat over me, my enemy, though I have fallen, I will what? I will arise. I shall what? I will arise. Those that are righteous, you may have fallen seven times. What do you do? You get back up again. Listen. Though I have fallen, yet will I arise. Come on, shout out. I rise up. Even when I fall. Aren't you glad you got back up? Yes, Amen. Praise God. Go on over in uh, Micah. Look at verse 18, chapter 7. Who's a God like you who pardons sin and forgives the transgression of the remnant of his inheritance? You do not stay angry forever, but delight to show mercy. He delights to what? Show mercy. To show mercy in your life compassion, eager learning to do you good. His mercy is always flowing. But Bosworth said this, you need to be under where that is flowing. You need to be under. The old timers just to say you need to be under the spout where the glory comes out. Does that make sense? If I'm in him and I'm underneath where that spout is, I mean, I'm going to get hit with whatever good he has. In other words, it's not... God's responsibility to come chasing me down, even though we do believe that that's how good He is. He's, his love and His mercy and His loving kindness follows me all the days of my life. How I many you know you got a stalker? Come on, say it with me. I have, I have a stalker. And He can't wait to do good to me. But from a spiritual standpoint, scriptural standpoint, you, know, you need to make sure that you're in Christ and underneath that spout. As that glory is poured out, as that goodness is poured out, Instead of saying, well, I can just do whatever I want to do, live however I want to live, and, and it'll be just fine. He'll, he'll move in my life. No, there's some corrections that need to be made. It's worth it, though, isn't it? Come on, say it with me. The foundation for supernatural increase is the prosperous soul. The prosperous soul. And how many know the prosperous soul has benefits to it? Amen? Psalm 103, he forgives all your sins heals all your diseases, redeems your life from the pit of destruction. There is no pit that can hold you. There is no chain that can hold you. There is no wall that can stop you. He crowns us with love and compassion. His mercy crowns us so we don't want to see ourselves as destitute or pitiful but see ourselves through his eyes. He's wanting to do good in your life you don't feel it right now, it's because it's a mind renewal issue. Because of him you have a new name, you have a new heritage, you have a new destiny, you have new DNA. You should see yourself as the new creation that he has made you in Christ. You're a species that never existed before. He satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed. Amen. Say it, my youth is being renewed. Well, I bring this up as an example to tell you that that psalm, those promises belong to people with a prosperous soul. They don't belong to anybody out there that just, well, i just kind of throw a prayer at God and see if he answers me and does something. God's merciful. But the ongoing, static, increased blessing, there's a foundation for that, and it is the condition of your soul. I'm glad you're born again. I see your hand if you're glad you're born again. Glad you're on your way to heaven. Well, if you are, and you keep your mind renewed and your will submitted and keep your emotions in check, you're on your way to supernatural increase. Can you receive that today? Yeah. Yeah. Come on, say it, I am increasing. I am increasing. Spiritually. Spiritually. Physically, physically. Materially. materially. I mean boldly say it, I am increasing. I am increasing. Spiritually. Spiritually, physically, physically. Materially. materially, in every area. Because I've got a prosperous soul. Amen. Every day, you know what? It would be really good for you to get up and look in the mirror and say, how is your soul? Now, you don't have to break out into a song like Kelly, It Is Well With My Soul. But look at that mirror and say, honestly, what's the condition of your soul? Not what everybody thinks about me, because how I many know we're all good at playing. But being honest with yourself about the condition of your soul. Here's a story that Kevin Cashman talks about. There's a Russian priest, and it's the time of the revolution and Bolshevik revolution. So the soldiers were out, and everybody had to have papers, and everybody was always questioned about what they were doing. So he was basically walking from where he lived, you know, over to where the church was. And the soldiers stopped him and said, who are you? Where are you going? What are you doing? And he said, you know what? How much do you make? And he said, ah, oh, just a little penance, you know, as a soldier. He said, I'll dub you a page. You'll stop me every day and ask me those questions. Amen. <laughs> That's good. Way beyond just... What do you mean? What am I doing? You know, do you recognize the collar? Bless God. Turn to somebody and tell them every day. Every day. Ask the question, ask the question. Who, are you? Who are you? What are you doing? Where are you going? Where are you going? Where are you going? Amen. How is your soul? Lord, of God. Let's give them a hand clap and thank them for it.